on the social media platforms to search for Ron Upshaw or Don O'Neill. Hey, you guys. What's going on? It's episode number 234 now of the Ron and Don Show. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah, we are those guys that have gone from radio to real estate, but we are still live in the Les Schwab studios. And coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk a little bit about the brain fog that we've all experienced over the last year. As we commemorate the fact that we've been in this pandemic together worldwide for the last year. How about that? March 16th, that marked, that marked 365 days. So we're going to talk about that. And also we're going to talk about apologizing. In fact, a very famous person just came out and apologized. And it seems like nobody wants to accept her apology. When we get to that, though, let's get to this. A year ago, February... I'm in Maui with my friend Maui Joe. I'm with my son. We're about to swim with the turtles. In fact, if you go back and listen to episode 69, episode 69 of the Rod and Don Show, it's about my son and Maui Joe swimming with the turtles last year. I want you to hear that story because that's where I learned about Black Belt Courage. In fact, you could go out to our blog right now and you could read about Black Belt Courage, right? Yeah, it's on there, Ron and Don, uh, sitdown.com or sign up for the newsletter. That's where we, you'll get it for sure at ronanddonsitdown.com. And I was unaware of what Black Belt Courage even is. Uh, I did not take martial arts. My father growing up had, had some very interesting things, beliefs about which sports I could do, I was allowed to do, and which sports I was not allowed. I was, I was not allowed to play soccer. Oh, really? And like, I'm not saying that tongue in cheek. Yeah. Like I wanted to try soccer mm-hmm. and I was, I was not allowed. It was like, this is not a soccer family. <laughs> and so it's like, I couldn't go to the tryouts. I could not wow. go to try. Like I was not allowed mm-hmm. to try soccer. Uh, we were a baseball a football family. Yeah. Uh, and then when I got into high school, I, I played golf and I wrestled as well. But um, I was not allowed to play um, uh, that sport and I was not allowed to do any sort of martial arts. Huh. Like it was just didn't matter if I showed any interest or aptitude in it. It was just it wasn't going to happen. Is it because he was a he was a. Uh he was he was he was not only a football was he a football, he was a football coach referee. And, a, and a football referee. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it was about. It was just like, nope, you're not doing that. And so I don't really have a working knowledge of the belts. Uh, I know that black belt is better than a green belt or a red belt. I think yeah. black belt's the best belt. But I, I didn't really know about black belt courage until your son sort of showed everybody what that concept was yeah. about. Yeah. So anyway, it's up on our Facebook page. You can go to ronanddonradio.com. You can read about it on Facebook. Ron and Don sit down. Uh, and listen to episode 69 because I, I go in depth about uh, what Black Belt Courage is. I want to share this, though, because it's taken a lot of Black Belt Courage from all of us to kind of get through this year. 
And I've written something we just sent out in the nation news about what the last year has been like and how I've been able to use black belt courage in the times where I felt lonely or I felt isolated or I felt like I was way over my head or I felt like this thing was never going to be over. And we're sitting here on a beautiful day in the great specific Northwest. And as I walk around today, I went to the dog store and bought my dog some treats and Charlie got fluffed up. He's pretty fluffy right now. Oh my God, he's super fluffy. He's like a a fluff ball. Uh, And then I had to go to Bartels, pick up a prescription and just, it, it seems like everybody right now is feeling optimistic, but it hasn't always felt that way. Share with us, Ron, a couple things that either you've learned about all of us, you've learned about yourself, you learned about family. What have you learned over the past 365 days is March 13th, mark the day when we all went into lockdown. You know, the biggest thing I've learned as I was listening to you say that, and this is going to seem small, but it wasn't small for me, is my entire life, I never was honest if someone asked me how I was. What I thought that meant was my mouth works. How about yours? Or this is awkward if I walk by you and don't say anything. So I'm going to say something. That's what I thought the function of that was where uh, you'd see someone, Hey, how's it going? And it was just, it was a greeting that was just a, an inconsequential blabber of words. So what I've tried to do during the pandemic is when someone asked me, I tell them. So, uh, and, and it's, it's opened up a lot of conversations and connections. So people, Hey, how you doing? I'll go, it, it can be even at the grocery store, the, like the general checker will say, Hey, how's it going? It's like, you know, it's been really weird. Like this is odd or, uh, this has been a struggle or whatever, like whatever I'm trying to be honest with it. And I've, I've seen other people actually kind of loosen up a little bit and try to share. And so uh, it seems like if you're the first one that will share something many times, other people will feel like they can share that. And so really for the first time in my life, I've felt secure enough to be honest that if I've had a tough day or if things have been weird uh, or uh, if I'm struggling with what, whatever it is to say, if someone asks you, I'm assuming that they want to know. And that's very, very new for me. I know that's probably like Captain Obvious to a lot of people, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that if you're willing to be vulnerable, then then it will it will open up conversations. And I, I think also, uh, I'll, and I'll just I'll I'll just share. We're in Maui. We swim with the turtles. Something happened when we were out in the ocean, and that's when my son coached me up and said, "Daddy, you need some black belt courage." Uh, and then we began to to swim back. So again, that's episode 69. Then we get on the plane and I'm reading on the plane about this worldwide pandemic that is beginning and the fact that maybe we will go into lockdown in the United States. So I'm reading about this and it was very, very surreal. And that's the last time that I've been on an airplane or a year and a half ago. It's the last time I saw my mother at Thanksgiving. I haven't, I haven't seen her since then. And, and so what this has taught me through the course of this year, because I've always, always worried about, and this isn't to pick on my father, but I think my father did the best fathering he could do with the skill set that, that he had. Uh, and it helped me to understand kind of the feeling, the dysfunctional family that he grew up in. And so I've always just really felt like a dysfunctional father and like, um, there, there was just there were there was, there was just a part of me that didn't have the confidence that uh, that I could be a good dad. And what I've learned through the course of this year 
uh, is in, and it's something that I've learned in fatherhood is that you, you, you don't have to be the very best at something. Um, I got a Peloton the other day and and I used to be pretty good on a bike and, and I haven't been on a bike in a while. And, and I was in a class the other day with 72,000 other people. 72,000. Yeah. I came in. I, I, 33,000. Uh, four hundred and twenty-first place in the in, in the class, and it would crush me. And I was I was so upset and damn mad about it that I took a second class after that. What did you think? And then you I ended been? up in like thirty-seven thousand places because you're riding with people all over the world. But in your mind, what did you think you would be top ten or something? No, no, no. Because but I figured I'd at least be in the in in maybe kind of in the in the top. 20, 25%. And I just, I got smoked. I'm not, I'm not even close. And what's your handle, by the way? Yeah. So <laughs> riding with the king. That's I'm the king of spin bikes. Yeah. So, so anyway, what I've learned through the course of this year is you don't have to be the best. You just have to do your best. You just have hmm, to do your good. best. And, and I think all of us this year, we, we've had to reach down and, and there have been opportunities for us to check out, for us to numb, or for us to lean into it, and 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 for us to do our best. And, and as you say that, your best is on a sliding scale. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is a your yeah. best during a pandemic, right. which is not the same as your best, uh, you know, in a non-pandemic time. Yeah. Or even your best at your age right now yeah. is not going to be equal to your best 25 years ago. Yeah, the first spin. time I rode across America, I was 33 years old. And I, I don't know if I'll ever get back to that, but I got to get back to something because I cannot be in 33,421st place. Listen to me. Just do your best. You don't have to be the best. We'll see you on the other side of this. I don't think we'd have this house if, if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, Go from just a dream to the dream team. Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. This house popped up. As soon as we saw it, Ron and Don were here. <laughs> Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well prepared. There were houses we were interested in. They would go and preview them if we wanted. One time Ron went and then FaceTimed us as he walked through several houses for us so that we wouldn't have to come over and waste the trip. I was surprised how quickly especially after meeting with Don, how quickly they kind of zeroed into what I was looking for. And I don't think we would have like found this house or been as successful with another realtor or doing it without, I can't imagine doing it without a realtor. I was just um, so impressed with their professionalism, their competence, their responsiveness, their respectfulness of our process. Run uh, basically did a check for the areas that I said I was interested in buying. He gave us a whole list of uh, properties that were available. He came with us Sunday morning and we looked at probably five different places. It was a very smooth process. I think that they definitely brought their heart and soul. They did a great job. The market was super hot. We were just such beginners that we didn't know that we would be able to compete. We got so lucky. I don't think we could have gotten this house without Ron and Don. Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Here's my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron, and my dad, Don. Okay, you guys, welcome back to episode 234. And we're talking a little bit of what it's been like to be in lockdown. And I told you, I just got my Peloton bike. I was supposed to get it 
like nine months ago. But there's been an incredible waiting list, as you could imagine. There's 32,000 people ahead of you <laughs> to get the bike. <laughs> yeah, and then also, because a lot of kids' sports got canceled, I've been looking for stuff that my son and I could do together. He, and he's taking up boxing. And oh, nice. next time he's here, I'm going to have him put on his boxing gloves, and I'm going to let you hold the UFC pads. Mm-hmm. He will knock you out, man. And he's he's at a level where if he knocked you between the legs, and I thought, oh my god, he's going to break my jaw. The like he's really going for it. Good. And I'm like, how did he get so good at boxing? Well, I walked into this room that we record in. Also, we have our tel- Peloton bike, and my son and I work out in here. This is where our studios are, the Les Schwab Studios. And he's he has on his VR goggles, and he has boxing gloves in his hand, and he's seen somebody that he is boxing and I didn't know that he I didn't even know that he knew about this right I had I had no clue I want you to listen to this picture a 10 year old he has his VR goggles on I didn't know he had VR goggles he has his boxing gloves in his hands and then and then and then I walk in and I turn on my recorder and listen to this Here we go One second Here we go. Here, here, here's what I want you to hear. Oh. You're really good with technology. Why won't it keep playing? I'm just having the wrong one. Chinatown, just like uh, Robert De Niro. Meet the fuckers! Ah! Oh! Oh! Yes! He's pretty good boxer. And then what happens is Leo Sperino. He's down. Leo Sperino's down? He just got up. <laughs> Can you kind of describe what, what we were saying in the video? Exactly what you said. A kid with uh, looks like weed paddles or something or yeah. Nintendo thing. Yeah. With his uh, VR. I'd like to play that game. Yeah. So so anyway, anyway uh, it was our good friend, Leo Superino, that stopped by. And uh, evidently, we got him down, but then he got back up. Of course. That's what you do when you so get So then the boxing uh, continued. By 10-year-old. I just encourage you, if you're looking for something to do cool with your kids, get them some boxing gloves and some pads. And it's a good way to get them sweating. Uh during COVID uh, times. Let's pivot here a little bit. Let's talk about apologies. Uh, you read a story. Yeah, I found uh, this, this to be really interesting. Uh, Stacy Dash, who is a, a woman of color, and she was conservative. And so for a long time, she uh, was a contributor on Fox. She had some uh, pretty right-leaning views. She's come out this week and, and apologized. But we should also say that she was an actress in Hollywood. Yeah, she was, she was on the in Clueless. Yeah, and she was in some pretty famous pretty movies. Pretty famous movies. And then, and, and then she ended up on Fox and Friends as kind of a contributor. They said, wow, she's really good. Uh, she gives great analysis. And they had a show on Fox that was similar to The View. And so, and so she was a part of that. 
that. So she's come out recently and she's trying to apologize. She did apologize about some of her views, uh, some of the mentality that she had. And then looking back from now to then, she's like, okay, I, I, I regret doing some things. And if you want to read her apology or watch her, uh, feel free to go out and, and search for Stacey Das apology. The thing that's interesting to me is this swift and severe backlash against Stacy all across social media. People seem to not want to allow her to apologize, to grow or to change, or they think it's not genuine or so there's that camp. The other camp likes to go out and find things that are memorialized online or in a tweet or a, a, some sort of post somewhere and do the yeah, but yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about that? And, and it's interesting to me in, in this regard, because I think about the people that I've disagreed with and where I'm, I either feel like I'm right or I later learn that I was wrong. How do we want to be as a community and as a country in terms of apologizing and being graceful about that and allowing things to change and evolve? Uh, you and I both have people in our lives that, that voted differently than we do, that we've had uh, heated discussions about or disagree with vehemently. What if someone either came to me or I felt compelled to go to someone and say, Hey, I said some things or did some things. And we've even done this on the show that I wouldn't do today that I wouldn't say today. Uh, Give me an example. Beliefs that I've had, like, I don't know. We've had one of the biggest ones that I, I regret is I used to firmly believe in the bootstrapping myth, uh, which was basically that I got everything I deserved in, in my life solely on this, on my talent and hard work that I bootstrap and, and your good looks and my good looks and your good looks that I, I, I bootstrap myself and it was a hundred percent me. And the fact that when you were 11, you look like Alfred E. Newman Correct. on the cover of Mad Magazine with a gap in your teeth, which is gone now, which, right. which I kind of miss. And and I, I really believe that. And I used to come down hard when we had a topic on the radio uh, on other people and call them out because I felt like if you worked hard and if you had the same ethic and, and all that stuff that you could you could do and be anything that you wanted to be and it was just an excuse. So Steve Largent, we had him on before, the old Seattle Seahawk. He believes that too. He's been in politics. He really believes in the bootstrap. And I remember when I pushed back on it with the bootstrap, he got really he got very upset. And there's a lot of people out there that feel like Steve or feel like Ron felt. So what changed? Well I learned that it's not true. I learned that uh, that there are two separate things. My individual work ethic, talent level, or appearance quality uh, is important, but it's not the only thing. You can also be in an environment that gives me a leg up uh, in specific examples. And l let's just take talk radio. Being a white male in talk radio was an advantage. Yep. And it was not visible to me. I just felt like, hey, Don and I work hard. We go in there. We have great resumes, and we've traveled around. We've worked in major markets. Therefore, anything that we get is 100% on Ron and Don. When in reality, there were conservative stations that we interviewed at that had we been men of color or women of color or even just women that are white, we probably wouldn't have even got in the door for an interview. That's right. They would have said, oh, you can be the sidekick mm -hmm. or you could do traffic 
or maybe you could be the weather guy or gal, but you, you're not going to get a show and your name's not going to be on the marquee. So I, that's something that I've had to, I don't know if there's a specific person I can apologize to, but I've apologized because I've changed. And I'm sure uh, if Twitter existed back then, and maybe I tweeted something back then, if you went all the way back to the beginning of my Twitter feed, you could take a screen capture and go, what about this? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I used to think that. I don't think that anymore. You know what? You know what? Somebody t- it's such a great point that you're making. Somebody taught me something the other day, and is actually one of our clients, one of our real estate clients. They're a really great listener. Uh, and I noticed them listening, not only to me, uh, but to my son, to their partner, uh, to another agent, to an inspector, asking really good questions and, and, then, and then listening. And we all know cognitively, if Ron and I are having a discussion, and right now I'm thinking about the next thing that I'm saying, so I'm preloading my mind, I'm not listening to him. Statistically, cognitively, when you look at the science, it's true. And so I asked her, I said, how have you become such a good listener? And she said, you know what I do is when I ask someone a question or I ask someone to do something, in my mind, I count to 10. So when I give Charlie, the dog, a command now, like he'll go out in the front yard and I'm standing there in my boxer shorts, it's one o'clock in the morning and he's out there just sniffing the flowers and I'm freezing my off and i'm like i just want to get back in bed charlie get your heart and he just wants to sniff the flowers so what i've done now is i just in my mind i count to 10 you need to do it out of your mind and then he's still out there smelling the flowers but with my son for instance i'll ask him to do something he doesn't do it right away and so i've mentally been counting to 10 and then i've been trying that even is even as we're talking listening to you don't preload your mind and of course on a podcast you can't sit there and and, count to and 10 every there, time. Yeah, there would be lots of gaps. But but I thought, you know what? That's a good experiment. What if we all tried that when somebody said something, we really listened to them, and then when we really apologize or they really apologize, could we even accept that? I don't I we as a country, we are no longer counting to well, 10. Our minds are preloaded and 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 then we're getting over on each other, especially on Twitter, on social media. Right. It's all about getting over having the funniest meme and and not listening to one another and 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 what Stacy had to share I think is very important and, yeah. and I think forgiveness uh and the and the fact that she would ask to be forgiven I I think that that's pretty important too. Yeah, and also the benefit of the doubt is out of favor. So I would say what is the upside to not giving her the benefit of the doubt? You can say yeah, but she said this and she, say yeah, that's true. What if it's true though? What if she's really is apologizing? Now, if if this is disingenuous and in a month's time or three months' time, she goes back and is doing all the same stuff, then yeah, you write her off. But I, I would hope that we could take things like this um, and be gracious to people and go, okay, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you actually are sorry for what you said and did, and then let your behavior now going forward show that. Instead of always doing this gotcha, yeah, but, what about isms, just uh, when people come out and try to change, let them change. Mm. That, that's not a negative. That's a positive. That was a great point. We'll see you on the other side of this. Ready to get in the game? Get your playbook and schedule your Ron and Don sit down now. 
at ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 234. And don't forget, Ron and Don are licensed brokers at Windermere. We are bringing on properties right now, lots of properties all over the great specific Northwest. If you need us, just reach out because we have a buyer's guide, a seller's guide, and we'd love to help you. So just write Ron, ron at windermere.com. We'll give you that guide. It's basically a playbook. It allows us to really start asking the right questions. Then we'll do a virtual sit down. We'll see where you're at in the process. We'll see if we'll be a good team. Uh, and if we can jump in and help. Talking a little bit about the fact that this this past week, we rolled past March 13th. And I think a lot of us have been thinking about what life has been like for the last year. Uh, I shared with you uh, a blog that I wrote uh, when I came back from Maui last year about Black Belt Courage. And again, that's episode 69 on this podcast, if you want to listen to it. And it's also up at Ron and Don Radio, uh, if you want to read about Black Belt Courage. Anyway, uh, we talked a little bit about forgiving each other, being kind to each other, listening uh, to one another. And uh, we also have to understand that because of Zoom and because a lot of us have been sitting at home, not only are our, our bellies a little mushy, but our brains are a little mushy, right? Yeah, there's a really great article by a woman called Ellen Cushing in The Atlantic called Late Stage Pandemic is Messing with Your Brain. And so she she opens it by talking about a mundane thing that we probably all go through uh, where she looks at her partner and she says, what did I used to do on the weekend? <laughs> and... and uh, <laughs> Her boyfriend couldn't really remember. <laughs> and so it goes through. And she's, oh, that's awesome. She's saying that, and it's not ironic ah. or tongue-in-cheek. Um, and it goes through and talks about all of these little details where she's like, how tall is my boss? Like, <laughs> she sees him on the yeah. on the screen every day. And she's like, what did, what yeah. did that place smell like? That little, uh, so she's like, all of these things she's forgetting. Yeah. Another example that I liked is she was talking to a friend of hers, a co-worker. He said, you know, for 20 years... I had the same routine five days a week. I would get up at a specific time. I would take a shower, eat breakfast, get on uh, public transportation, make it to work. He's like, I can't even imagine an iteration of myself doing that now wow. after working at home. And so they talked about this concept. It's, it hasn't been peer reviewed in a study yet, but some brain scientists uh, were, she was talking to while researching this article said there are different mechanisms in the brain where you can do, where there's almost like deep, storage and and uh, you know front of the store storage uh in your brain so things that you are accessing all the time there's iCloud storage and then there's there's basically <laughs> on your device storage yeah there you so go so it's like if you were taking the bus every day you remember the time schedules you remember the route uh you have a rhythm for that cuz it's you're able to recall it cuz you're using it every single day mm. if you stop using that it goes into deep storage, and we probably all have had these things where a specific song might trigger a very vivid memory from high school, let's say. That was a deep storage memory that's there, but you don't access it very often. Mm. And then all of a sudden, like a, a song played a, a couple of weeks ago that was at our prom, uh, and it was like, whoa, like just this memory comes out of nowhere because you hadn't heard that song in, in many years. So w what the article is saying is that you – a lot of these things that we have not been doing, the brain has been clearing space and putting those into deep storage because now you have a bunch of different tasks that you're doing every day. Wow. So you have to know how to find the Zoom link yeah. and get into the Zoom. Like you never did that for years and now you do it every day. Mm. So like you're, that is becoming easier for like when we first started doing Zoom, 
you struggled to get into every Zoom meeting. <laughs> Seriously. Because it was brand new. And yeah. you like you didn't know where it was or how to set it up. And now you can get into Zoom meetings every day because you're doing it all the time. So I, Except I, for today when I was in the car and I couldn't get in for 11 minutes. Well, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, so I just found it. Fa- have you been finding things like that question? What did I used to do on the weekend? That that kind of hit home with me. It's like, what did I what did I used to do? Yeah, day in and day out. Yeah, for for my my son and I, it's it's it was always the ride to school in the morning. Always the ride to school, and I enjoyed the ride so much. And I and I shared on on our previous episode the question that I asked my son every night before we go to bed. Uh, and I think that was episode two twenty nine. The 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 reason I asked him that question is because I used to ask him that question in the morning when we'd be riding to school when he was fresh and ready for the day. What is the question? Do you have anything the question is, is there anything that you want to talk about? Right. And so instead of getting on the bus, I would drive him and we'd have these great conversations on the way to school. Well, now we do it at the end of the day because as soon as he rolls out of the rack and, and you see, sometimes I'm on my Zoom call, he comes downstairs, his hair is way up here, and then uh, he grabs something to eat and then boom, he's in school, you know, back upstairs at his desk. So I, I like, I miss that conversation and then I was feeling disconnected from him and I said, why am I feeling disconnected? It's because I'm not having this conversation with him that I was having every day. And, and so I found a new way to do it, right? In the same way that we have found Zoom, we're, we're, we as, as humans and humankind, we have figured out a way to keep connected with one another because I think we've all learned how important the human connection is. It, and it is silly. Like you could say, what, what was that place where you could like eat food and they had beverages? Yeah. Like you don't remember a restaurant bar. Stuff like that. So the, the, the silver lining of this story is the brain scientists say, when we get back to quote unquote normal, those things will begin to come back. Like you'll remember the smells and the sights and how tall people are and what it's like to navigate, you know, the bus routes will come back and the, the, the driving routes and all of these things that are now sort of fragmented will reemerge out of cold storage and become back into the front of your mind. Um, because it's, it's just an interesting way the brain works Yeah, that it can take. And it's like, I don't need to know that anymore. Yeah. I'm just like, boom, it's gone. Cause I literally don't need to know the names of all my coworkers now. Cause yeah. I see it on the screen. Yeah. And so, um, Rest easy. I think it's going to come back. Um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Joe Biden, when elected, he said, in my first hundred days, I want to have a hundred million, uh, vaccine, vaccines done. And people are like, Ooh, that's pretty audacious because we haven't had anywhere near that up until that uh, January 6th. And so now, uh, he's only, he's 50 days in a little more than 50 days by the time you're hearing this podcast. And, uh, by the time this airs, he should have reached the goal of a hundred million in about, uh, under 60 days. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? I read an article the other day that said in the same way, in fact, you and I were involved in this in the early days when there was no PPE, we went to, uh, the refugee artisan initiative. These are women that are from all over the country and all over the world places like Iraq and places like North Korea. Anyway, they work at this initiative and they'd sit down with their sewing machines just up in Lake City and they would sew incredible things for the kitchen every day. And then you'd see these, like when you walk into the Metropolitan Grocery Store in that area where they have all the pots and pans, the cool stuff. And this is how they would support themselves and their kids and their families and their education. 
So we called Ming Ming there and they did this direct pivot. And the next thing you know, we're working with the University of Washington. We're working with the Pierce County Sheriff's Department. We're working with Kaiser. Yeah, working with Kaiser. We're up in Bellingham, all the way down to Olympia. We're making, they're making tens of thousands of masks. Ron and I are delivering these masks. And, and, and then the word got out, well, these aren't 95s. And so hospitals don't want them. And the hospitals would call us and say, no, 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 we want them. We want them. So we, we continued to deliver these masks. Then about two months in, all of a, from, from out of everywhere, all of a sudden we had enough hand sanitizer. We had a lot of hand sanitizer because there was a lot of alcohol companies that were making vodka that pivoted, as we all use that word, and they started to make hand sanitizer. And then we see PPE showing up everywhere. We also see a lot of PPE that wasn't PPE, uh, and it leaked into our hospital systems, and we've been dealing with that. Do you think the same thing is going to happen with vaccines, that we're just going to wake up one day, and in the same way that you could get the flu vaccine, it's available for everyone, uh, this particular vaccine, whether it's Johnson and Johnson or one of the others, should should be available for everyone. I would think by the time we get to late spring, right? Yeah, I, I, that's the hope is that we've ramped it up and that you can just get the shot when you want the shot. As simple as just making an appointment with your doctor. So I think we're closer to that than we realize, and uh, especially with the one shot Johnson and Johnson one, uh, that's going to be a game changer. Yeah. All right, you guys. Thanks for listening to episode 234. If you if you are lacking courage and you need some black belt courage, uh, episode 69, I would encourage you to listen to it and find out what happened off the coast of Maui that day and what my son taught me. Um, and, and I get a little teary-eyed about it because there have been moments this year where I've reached down. I remember what he told me in the ocean uh, when I was scared, when I was afraid. And he said, Daddy, just hang on. You just need some black belt courage. We have certainly needed all that collectively uh, this year. I hope you're feeling optimistic. Uh, I hope you're still committed, though, to everybody else's health. I would take care of each other. And I also hope that, as Ron said, that we will really listen to each other and that we will have the ability to also forgive one another. And what I've learned in therapy, they call that holding space. And will we make space for one another? And will we meet each other in the middle, right? In the fields of gray, as Bruce Hornsey uh, sings about. I'll meet you there. I'll meet you in the middle. I'll meet you in the field of gray. And I know Ron will too. And we'll bring Charlie the fluff ball. You are so fluffy today. <laughs> you keep your head up. You keep your shoulders back. You keep reaching for that black ball courage. And we'll see you next time for episode 235 only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs>